Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hello, my name is Dave Hanrady and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 23 of the No Encore podcast. It's a podcast about music. We talk about music, we listen to some music, and then we talk some more about music. Man down in the studio this week. Well, I do Man have down. Craig Fitzpatrick with me. Hansel and slash or Gretel. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, how are you? I like that one. Yeah, thanks. Good, that's good. That's good. And I'm not going sideways the... with the mic, as you've just warned me about, so Excuse we're me, off to a, a banner start You're here. bringing this to the, <laughs> to the on-air, like... The, 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 the production, yeah, it's spilled over into it. Colm's not here to kind of give me daggers when I say something like that, yeah. So. Oh, but you, you said it. I said you it. You said it now. Can't take it back. And you started off the um, show in weird, strange... <laughs> uh, Aggressive fashion. If only we had someone else to diffuse this tension. Oh hey, <laughs> <laughs> it's gorgeous, George Moran. <laughs> Woo! Going to get like a boxing robe with that on the back. Yeah, you <laughs> really, really should. Um, yeah, so George joins us. He was on a previous episode when we talked about longitude. If you are new to the show, uh, we talk about music because we are all music journalists, or at least you know one time, and kind of some of us are on hiatus from that. Craig's more of a business journalist these days. <laughs> I'm a businessman. Grew up. Yeah, uh, we're all ex hot press. George uh, was in hot press for a grand total of one week. One. One whole week. And Best we, week of his life. Yeah, anyway, right, back to college to. Follow his dream he of not being Craig, a hot press. <laughs> he, he took one look at me and you, and he was like, I'm out of here. We're like the ghost of Future Past. Dave really? spent a whole future week past? just trashing Brezzy and Ed Sheeran. And I was like, I'm not for this. Like. Yeah, I, I don't want to hear this kind of stuff. Well, so yeah, uh, Cole Morrigan, our gregarious brother in arms and kind of, you know, faux producer, is not here. <laughs> he's kind because, of a producer. Yeah, he's an in-house producer. Keeps uh, the trains running. Our artist. Whatever you want to call him, you know. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, Electric Picnic will be over. 
and he Aww. will be very very tired. Colin will be, be uh, Colin will be stumbling late into work probably when this <laughs> when, when this comes in. Because so your usual Monday. That's um, why he's not here today because uh, when we're recording, EP is tomorrow. He needed the night off for get his beauty sleep and get prepped for the weekend, which is you know sensible. I it is. Up on Do you know who's not cans. going to picnic? You're not. I I'm believe, not going which to is picnic. Strange because you're a big festival. Oh no, wait, you're not anymore. No, I'm not. You've gone the entire summer. Except for a comedy festival, I maybe one other. I went to Forbidden Fruit. Body and Soul and Forbidden Fruit. Oh my god, you've been on millions festivals. of festivals. Still pretty well. Yeah. The whole point is that my my my, my self imposed festival hate went like came three weeks without a festival. <laughs> <laughs> Two months without a festival. Uh, my self imposed festival hate has occurred after I went to Body and Soul, and I've stuck to the gun since then. Despite repeated offers of free tickets to various different things, yeah, I have turned them down. People have been trying to get you to break. But you've been talking a good, good game for years. You've been trying to pull out festivals long before you actually, yeah, did, you know. I yeah. think that's the thing we've had for the last three or four years where it's just like, this is the last electric picnic. It's usually electric picnics. You were quite early this year in the... Yeah, I, I, got, I got ahead of the game. Yeah. This is how it is. I turn up to a festival. I meet Dave and he's like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> and it's usually what, two hours into the festival? Yeah, yeah, They're very probably. emotional. But this time I'm, I'm Robert De Niro in heat. So <laughs> I'm never going back. Ever? Is this for life? Al Pacino has just riddled me full of bullets in an airfield. Is there spoilers for a film that's twenty-one years old? Is there any party? What a way to go! I'd love that. (laughs) Sorry, go on. Is there any part of you that kind of wishes you were going down tomorrow? Um, Of course, I'd like to see LCD sound system, but not in that environment. Uh, I'd rather see them in, like you know, like your living room. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Daft Punk is playing. Thank you. there is one thing I'm genuinely gutted about. What's that? Uh, News Talk are doing a Nevermind the Buzzcock style rip-off uh, quiz yeah, thing. Yeah, And Richard Chambers, who you know from News Talk and I know from DCU, uh, he approached me this morning. Have I got News Talk for you, I believe it's called. Is that what it's called? Yeah. That's good. No, yeah. it's coming, something like, it's to do with Buzzcocks, wasn't it? Uh, it it's Nevermind the Buzzcocks pastiche. So yeah, maybe, I think, you might be getting I confused think they went with the, what the a load of Buzzcocks. Talk the point is, I was asked to be a panellist and I would love to have done that. And now I can't. Oh well, but I do believe. At least you have your own podcast to I, I, I ramble to on for next hour and a half, two hours. <laughs> two hours. Colm's not Colm's here. Not yet. Come on, it's, a, it's your first ever three. Sure, cans. Your first ever. Th- oh, no cans. Three hour no encore. But yeah, I, I would have loved to have been there. I'm pretty sure Stuart Clark is doing it. I think Claire Beck and Richie McCormack. So they're in good company. Oh, yeah, much better. I would have. Um, I would have made it better. I'm sure the minefield will miss your presence. Though. It absolutely will. But no, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm not there because I just like I'm, I'm burnt out in festivals as we have discussed. But. So anyway, I will move on. We'll move forward with No Encore, No Encore twenty three, and coming off last week's episode, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about Frank Ocean. I spent most of the week since then still listening to Blonde. I think both of you are in the same. Yeah, very there. much so. It's More so Blonde than Endless, because Endless is very inconvenient to listen to. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> legally certainly, <laughs> I still have my Apple Music subscriptions. So. Yeah, for three months. Yeah. <laughs> I found uh, George wrote a review for State magazine, State that I, mm. which I'd recommend checking out. Uh, I wrote a review for Drowned in Sound, which uh, you know, give it a go. I mean, see what you think. Um, <laughs> for yours to mine. I love it all. Well, I this love is the it thing. All. I found it a very difficult write up. I found it very, very tricky to to kind of unpack it all. And yeah, you're juggling a whole kind of yeah, project. You could write five or six things. On I wrote twelve hundred words, and I was kind of like, I, I mean, like I did my best. I don't think it's. I think it's by far, far from my best work. And but the thing is, uh, a prestige album release like this. This does lead to really good music journalism. And I, George, I'm not just saying that. I really liked your piece. I always do. I think you're a great writer. Uh, Tara Joshi wrote an excellent piece for The Quietest. Dean Van Nguyen, who was here last week, of course, wrote a really, really personal piece for Passion of the Wise. Mm. Which... Dean's changing lives. Did you see that guy? Oh, my God. Someone yeah. wrote Someone's... gave a really nice comment about how, like, you know, I'm in senior year and I read your piece and I feel like I can get through this. Wow. It's yeah, he has that effect on It's people. kind of He's ridiculous. A charismatic guy. He's yeah. a bit of a magical guy. He is. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I mean, like, there's, there's been some really, really good pieces. And, you know, if you haven't caught up with the Frank Ocean record... I wrote nothing. 
<laughs> really, news talk wouldn't take your I wrote about Apple's back taxes. <laughs> Let's not get into that. It's a whole other podcast, which I don't want to be a part of ever. But uh, yeah, if you haven't heard Blonde by Frank Ocean, I can only recommend that you do and then read all those pieces, listen to last week's episode of the podcast, if you haven't done that, where we talked about Frank for 40 minutes or so. And uh, it was quite good. There is one other piece which I want to read myself, which I have yet to read. Uh, Headstuff Music will have its own review of Frank Ocean online fairly soon. Hopefully by the time this episode lands, Joshua Hughes, our man in Canada, oh, yes. has been working very hard on that. I think he's kind of gone through the same thing that we have where we're like, you just really want to get this right because the record is very, you know, there's so much depth there. Yeah. And he's been distracted. He's, he's got been, Kanye coming. He's been distracted because by the time this podcast lands, he will have seen Kanye West Live, live, running through the six, you know, and that <laughs> tour, <laughs> by the way, that same Pablo tour. Some of the imagery that has surfaced of Kanye West on a floating stage. The floor seats is a mosh pit. He's, dozens and dozens of songs. Oh, he's playing like he's adding songs to the list every night. I think he did like a thirty-seven song set list in one of the evenings. Yeah, Springsteen, watch out. <laughs> to say that Joshua Hughes is beside himself with anticipation and a feverish excitement the likes of which we've never seen before is something else so yeah looking forward to that looking forward to what he comes up with about Frank and very much looking forward and hopeful fingers crossed that Kanye brings all this to Europe uh, in the near future but Kanye was part of one thing in the news yes very much so but he wasn't really quite the main talking point I mean uh, if the main talking point really about the MTV Video Music Awards this year appears to be that there wasn't an awful lot of talking points because there wasn't an awful lot of viewers in the traditional sense an audience of 6.5 million people tuned into the 2016 MTV VMAs which was a drop of 34% compared to last year's 9.8 million that's according to a New York Times report however as you might imagine in this kind of day and age uh, at least what MTV are kind of claiming as kind of a bit of a safe face that the decrease was offset in part by a massive surge in online streams with yeah. the network claim that they drew 45.8 million streams on Facebook and last year that figure was only 4.5 million uh, that's insane yeah which, actually that sounds really apparently kind of the youngsters watched like three times as many youngsters watched clips of it on Snapchat as watched any of it on TV good whatsoever. god three times as many so yeah um, it kind of makes sense doesn't it but yeah probably, it does you yeah. Know, yeah. But they're, they're putting but, on a brave face but, about I mean, like, the TV because you know, ad, ad revenue on TV is way bigger this so, is the problem because yeah. they announced like 62.8 million streams were in total which is an increase of 70% but that all sounds fantastic that all sounds cool we're moving with the times and we still have that audience but as you say Craig uh, it's all about, you know, uh, TV ratings are, are, are the most important thing to advertisers. That's why there are some shows out there which run for like two hours or three hours simply because they can't not, because they've got all these deals with all these companies and ad revenue is gigantic. It's so much money to even run a single ad. So yeah. it's not boding well for your traditional kind of system here. Clearly changes have to be made. At the same time, though, I mean, like, let's ask ourselves even here, did any of us bother... No. No. No, like I like saw a bit, of, a bit on Twitter, but that's... Of course, because you just yeah. know immediately you'll hear about it, and then you can just immediately watch the, or the major You'll get the talking yeah, the points for talk, osmosis. Talk. Yeah, exactly. Well, you like, don't have to I feel like, you know, like rubbish where they give out like country video But they're not, like, they, they, they've always been, an award show has pretty much, I think particularly with music shows, has always been, okay, who's going to turn up, who's performing... Uh, these awards are simply just like status symbols and the whole thing is just a showcase. It's less about what is the best and more about, you know, well, who's going to get uh, promotion? It's all about promote, promoting sure. people. And I mean, mm. uh, it seems award shows, even in the traditional sense, are less, you know, interested for the kind of up-and-coming audience because um, the VMAs joins other high-profile events like the Summer Olympics, the Academy Awards, the Emmys and the Grammys, which itself fell to a seven-year low audience. Uh, to witness a massive drop in viewership this year. I mean, 
I don't even watch TV myself. I mean, like, I, I just, like, TV is dead. TV yeah, is. It's all about podcasts. That's why everyone in the world is listening to now Encore. Deprive your eyes. But I also felt with the VMAs having, we heard a bit in the run-up what was going to happen and it just seemed like Groundhog Day. I know it was like the big return of Britney, but doesn't she have a big return every couple of years? Well, she, like did, she had the Billboard gonna... Awards this year as well. Okay. Mm. We had Beyonce just proving she's the greatest person ever, which is, yeah. you know, the thing again. And she just did other... what she did of the... BET Awards as well, Yeah, right? and everyone went mental. Well, the thing about Beyonce is, I mean, like, there was an excellent piece on the website uh, a couple of years ago. I forget the name of the site. My apologies. Cullum has brought it to our attention before, kind of talking about this whole Beyonce thing where, like, basically anything Beyonce does, no matter what it is, will, yeah. will lead to a just, like, the, the kind of over-the-top reaction that, you you know, you don't really see with a lot of other people. And uh, if I may read from this parody piece right now, uh, this person has written, Last night, millions upon millions of girls watching the Grammys couldn't. Couldn't what, you ask? They couldn't deal, obviously. They couldn't deal with Beyonce's flawless perfection. Flawfection, I call it. Beyonce's flawfection had girls unable to deal, and apparently, in some instances, dying. Literally. Dead girls all over America. (laughs) Beyonce arrested for the murder of thousands of girls who just dropped dead in front of their TVs. OMG, flawfection death I can't. Doctors said cause of death in most cases last night was being unable to deal. The human body needs to continually deal in order to survive. And if you can't even, for an extended period of time, it can lead to death. We've seen a spike of can't even deal deaths since Beyonce released her newest album and became everything. Girls everywhere have nothing to live for since Beyonce is all of the things now. Yeah, I mean, that about sums it up. <laughs> but it's crazy. It's just like, I mean, like, 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 she could genuinely have come on and done nothing yeah and, and people would be like oh, oh the queen unbelievable yeah. and you were kind of saying you know did she did she mime does it even did matter yeah, is yeah. that you know um i'm sure she did i mean she mimed when she performed for um pre- u.s president obama's last inauguration and yeah. she was just like oh, i have to do it because i'm such a perfectionist just like well you're not really doing anything perfect <laughs> if you're not doing anything <laughs> well how do we feel i mean obviously pop is pop and like people mime all the time and fair enough but like yeah and also i so i think for an award show i mean it's not like it's Hunter's paying to hear her voice. Yeah, like. it's all the choreography just, and know, the show yeah, and the spectacle. Yeah, At the same time, though, if I may ask, um, Headstuff Humor Editor and host of the Juvenalia podcast, Alan McGuire, on Twitter this week said that, you know, I was wondering if she was miming, then I realized I didn't care. Uh, but he also kind of said, like, you know, you know, like, uh, thanks, Beyonce, for, like, cleansing the last rock snobbery out of my system. And I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm not sure it is snobbery to want a performer to perform in the truest sense of the word i mean like i really don't have an issue with someone who mimes at that you know especially in that environment yeah but i don't agree that it's snobbery i kind of feel like you know it's just a different thing it's a different experience yeah yeah okay it's not a gig though it's a tv event that's the main thing and it kind of it's a production miming would kind of take you out of it for sure but with so many elements it must be like a logistical nightmare to get it all done and all looking kind of perfect so you know, I guess the vocals become dispensable. Yeah, there's quite literally a script here. So, yeah, I mean, it's not be, it's not playing to the small audience that's there. It's playing to the viewers at home, and as long as it looks right, like yeah. That's and if you matters. did the stuff she does and just had no help whatsoever, it would probably start sounding pretty desperate pretty quickly. Yeah, you're just like Absolutely, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, not that get, she like, would. Don't get me wrong. Like everything. nobody here is kind of slagging her off or saying that she's like she clearly is uh, an incredible pop icon. Cullum saw her this summer and said it was amazing. Uh, we're all big fans of Lemonade at this table. Um, I just kind of think it's interesting to kind of look at it from those points of view. Was it uh, unfair on poor Britney Spears to have to follow this, though? Louise Bruton wrote a piece for Headstuff Music. Yeah, it was very good, I thought, yeah. She basically was kind of saying that people are being really harsh on Britney Spears and from various different points of view and how also 
Britney Spears is kind of a pop star of a bygone age. It's all changed now and gone a little bit more kind of cynical, so to speak. And essentially, she believes that MTV's producers, that somebody kind of had an agenda there and positioned Britney in a, in a spot where she couldn't possibly follow Beyonce. Yeah. Are there industry uh, politics here at play, guys? That's what I'm wondering. I mean, you know, Britney's had kind of failed comebacks before where maybe she wasn't ready and for, for much different circumstances. And she is, you know, from a, a totally different age, even though she's, you know, still relatively young. Um, but I think Louise even pinpointed, like, 2008, just as Beyonce seemed to go from one of the contenders to just really kind of take off. That's when Britney was kind of in, in dire straits. So, yeah, it's just the way it's kind of those two parts have diverged. Um, I don't know if it was anything calculated oh that seems a bit i think she would have been overwhelmed and a kind of a sideshow wherever she was put in the show so i'm not yeah. sure yeah like she was just one of many stars there on the night she wouldn't have been the main talking point regardless of where she was well one of the talking points <laughs> gets its very own intro it's time play the jingle attention everyone one one shut up craig on kanye I am Kanye West, and that feels especially great to say this year. Not my words, the words of Kanye West. (laughs) (laughs) He had his free reign for four minutes, which seemed like a weird kind of thing to give a person, didn't it? He felt felt like desperation. Yeah, it's like he's a performing kind of seal now or something. It's just like he'll just ramble on. We'll give you this time. Please do something viral. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very much so. And like he just thinks it's him being given the spotlight because he has important things to say. And he said a lot, as he is wont to do. Um... He said, you know, the future of everything was not only Chance the Rapper, but also Jaden Smith, which is worrying. He gave shout-outs to Ray J. He talked about uh, that famous video um, for Famous. Um, and basically said, you know, it was incredible that I put on a Wintorp right there next to Donald Trump. This is fame. He then kind of started talking about Chicago murders, kind of the ongoing violence, horrific stuff in America. And somehow trying to connect him like he always seems to be on the cusp of making a really good point but then he just keeps rambling and finds another thought and just goes again and certainly you know he did a similar thing last year uh, much more unprompted it didn't work as well this time I mean are we just reaching Kanye fatigue at this point I think anyone listening to this podcast has probably hit Kanye <laughs> yeah. fatigue and if you're still with us we appreciate it <laughs> when did it jump to shark when it got its own jingle yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much um, yeah like look obviously again if you listen to the show you know that we are big fans of Kanye West I really didn't enjoy this I thought he was out of his depth actually for once and it was just it was so awkward he kept pausing um the way that the place was lit up, it looked like it was in a really small room. It looked like a comedian in a New York comedy club just like not reading his audience correctly. There was very little reaction. It felt very uh, tepid and kind of almost awkward. And there like was he a- almost realized, oh, they're just they're just getting me to say words. Yeah, <laughs> but I kept cutting to Kim Kardashian, who looked like she had just come from a swim. Her hair was all it was strange. <laughs> um, and she was looking at him with this look on her face of just pure bedazzlement. So, you know, like no one can accuse them. They're a great couple. They are. I they're fantastic. Guys. Yeah, I mean, like, nobody can accuse them of not being in love with each other. This is not a scam, a scam marriage, I don't think. But it was just like, I was looking at her and then, like, back to him, and I was like, what are you seeing? I was like, I'm seeing a guy who I really love, uh, Bomb. You know, like, yeah. kept pausing between words and sentences, and, like, they felt like there was. Granted, Kanye gets in front of Mike and it often isn't formless unless he's doing one of his songs, but this was very not. There was nothing here, and I was kind of like. 
okay, yeah. something has to happen now to make this kind of make and sense he did in a fun pop culture debut way. a kind of new video for Fade, which was, you know, I don't think it's going to get people talking as much as Famous, um, but at least he provided some content that was just not him talking. Fade is an incredible song. It is. It's, it's a banger. great to have it back out there. The Post Malone bit is unreal. The video has proved a bit of a talking point, and of course, the yeah. video has also been a... Uh, yeah, the video's been inevitably taken off and parodied by talk show hosts, <laughs> one of whom... Is your absolute fave. <laughs> Craig wants to talk about this. James Corden and his carpool karaoke. Fuck. Lots of, everyone seems to be a big fan. But yeah, it's very popular. <laughs> Including Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. What an endorsement. Oh, Did you see... Have you... Uh, okay, have you actually watched any of them? Because I don't think you had the last time you gave out about it. I have never watched a carpool karaoke. I think I threw one of them on, I forget who it was, for the grand total of about five seconds when I realised what I was doing and I shut it down and I ran away from the computer for a while. Uh, I Here's the thing. I try and not see this, but you can't be on social media or any music website that are popping up without seeing a thumbnail of that fucking gurning stupid face and whoever his latest guest is in the car making a fucking gurning stupid face and it's just like everyone loves this shit they eat it up with a fucking spoon and i can't stand it to give him his props though following that guy clearly works very very hard yeah as flea says here i don't doubt it um, I'm mystified by his elevation to the American talk show circuit. I guess he's doing well. Do you think the Chili Peppers in particular kind of, you know, were warmed and gravitated towards his gurning, stupid face? Probably, Was that yeah, a perfect... Yeah, probably used to that kind of thing. Uh, look, to be fair, like, someone says to, like, someone who's on carpool karaoke, did you enjoy it? Well, of course they're going to say yes. <laughs> like, they're going to say no. I, re- I hated it. I've only I- watched one. I watched the Adele one, and that was okay, but you're right about overexposure. As far as Corden's concerned, I kind of, I don't mind him. I tend to stay away from his kind of laddish and more showman-y kind yeah. of roles. But. And it's that problem with all those kind of US talk shows now. Well, not all of them. Some are still a lot more talk-based, but you have Jimmy Fallon as well, who's just constantly doing these games, and it's real oh, like God, frat yeah. house kind of it's stuff. Like, I saw one of like, uh, it was like, watch Jimmy Fallon and Kevin Bacon sing something from the 70s. So Kevin Bacon's there like with a wig on. It looks terrible. Terrible. Yeah, he he already looks like a Halloween mask of himself anyway. Like, it's like the same thing on. with the VMAs. It's all about creating viral moments in lieu of attracting a large late night viewership. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's about keeping in the conversation until the next day when people are actually ready to watch whatever snippet. You no offer. one gets like Hemingway on to talk for an hour about There's stuff. There's a reason for that. Well, yeah. Um, he's, he's dead. Spon- <laughs> I was going to say like, the sponsors won't clear him. But, uh, <laughs> Every now and then those games can be alright. I mean, like, there's a good Jimmy Fallon thing that he did with Jason Statham before, which was fun. Uh, Ariana Grande doing impressions and or doing that kind of thing where like it stops in a song and you sing it. Like Obviously, she's an incredible singer, so it's going to be decent. Mm. I don't hate Jimmy Fallon. Like, I don't hate James Corden, to be fair. I mean, I, I, he's just not for me. Um, I, I He seems like an alright dude, I yeah. guess. Like, he's playing... Like, like You're a talk show, you're playing, you're playing a character. You're, 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 if any of us were in the same position, if I was in the same position as James Corden and it was like, do you want to live in America, uh, have your own show, make a shit ton of money, you're going to have to take your top off in a car with a chili pepper. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, fine, I'll do it. You know, but that's... It's the price of fame, guys. Yeah. <laughs> he does have his good moments. Like, I think Gavin Stacey is a very well-observed sitcom and I liked his episode of uh, Doctor Who, actually. So, um, yeah. Never seen it, but uh, Flea. What did Flea have to say here exactly? Craig? The well, he just said he was a very nice man, essentially. But he said that guy is really good at his job. I don't think anyone else could do that, and so that's why he's doing it so well, as t- articulate as always. But I mean, 
it would be a tough one to pull uh, pull off, wouldn't it? Because he's very pally and he, like he comes across naturally as just dealing with these big stars quite well. I think. But yeah, of course. I mean, I, I don't go out of my way to watch it. But yeah, that's why like Graham Norton. That's is. why Graham Norton is good because there's that personable thing about yeah. it. Yeah, Graham Norton does it better. I mean, it's the couch. They're all they're all in the same time as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but in terms of like you know the Chili Peppers. Uh, like Flea, you said, like you know, typically articulate. He was interviewed for Hot Press recently, and like the opening, one of the opening quotes was like, "He's really looking forward to playing Ireland because, of course, you got to get that Ireland mention in every fucking page." Uh, it was like, you know, yeah, you know, just toured there and uh, played a few shows. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh wow, inspiring." Yeah, but you know what? It didn't matter because it is inspiring because the Red Hot Peppers announced a second Dublin date. People and love them over here. Yeah, as I said on They're Twitter, huge. I'm going to reiterate it now. You've let me down, Ireland. You've let me down today. Yeah, what's the stat? Tell me the stat. The stat? Have you seen the stats? Like, Ireland per capita. Oh, Is yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, a dude I used to work with, Brian Daly, uh, he said that something like the average amount of households per capita or, like, gig tickets sold, like, it's huge. Ireland is a massive market for this. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are pretty much disproportionately popular in the Republic of Ireland. They're hugely oh, popular. No doubt, yeah, yeah, we, we I saw our, them once. We just I saw have them. our favourites, which are not always kind of critically acclaimed I favorites. saw them play at that slaying gig you 2 did in 2001, and they were great. It was of really, course, it was yeah. really good. And, yeah, yeah. Shit. 2001, man, different time. Um, you two were great as well. I mean, like, they're kind of one of those bands that you should see. Like, but I, I just feel like there are certain bands talked before about the idea of shelf life. Toby Carr was on recently. He talked about the, the idea of uh, maybe an artist shouldn't mature, I guess, in the Chili Peppers sense. They haven't. Uh, but they are still making music. And we've obviously talked about The Getaway on the podcast before. Not a very inspiring record. But I think people are going to hear the hits. I was kind of surprised that they announced a second date in the three arena, though. I mean, like, is it just me? I was kind of like, yeah, they'll sell that out for sure. But I didn't really, it'd be like, straight away. Yeah, no, it doesn't really surprise me, to be honest. I mean, we've seen the likes of Alt-J do sell-out shows there. Or not even sell-out shows, ten but years ago, headliners. Yeah, but ten years ago. They're still big. Yeah, they still are. Anyway, that's anyway. them. Nice guys. Moving along from uh, to another nice guy who's also occasionally problematic. Um, <laughs> President Barack Obama. <laughs> what? <laughs> what a link. <laughs> Where is Colin Where when you need a decent professional segment? <laughs> That is one for the books. That's amazing. <laughs> Listen, he's done something really cool, right? Because he's had these... Did he close Guantanamo Bay? He's oh, no, he didn't, did he? <laughs> he stopped drone strike. Problematic, all right? Yeah. yeah, I know. But, you know, he's just one tiny cog in the wheel, really. He's not running Whoa, anything. Getting, yeah. Billy Corgan over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Reptilians, military industrial Reptilians. Complex. Well, you know the Despite way they have Craig's this, rage. this baffling thing in the US for when, like, a president is leaving, he can pardon, like, as many people as he wants. How is that not, how's that not the plot of a sci-fi it's movie? Bizarre. That is so fair, He doesn't do it on a whim, like their families have been petitioning him for years I don't know Did Clinton had something like 20,000 pardons or something it was yeah it wasn't quite that but it was something crazy I don't know the actual figure but American yeah. prisons are overfilled <laughs> yeah okay so is are. there a music connection here there Carl? is yeah, yes. the, the Grateful Dead remember those guys <laughs> They're not going to sell it two nights three arena. There we go. <laughs> so yeah, um, Obama's been dishing out these pardons, um, and he's <laughs> dishing them out. <laughs> get up! <laughs> you get a freedom. Get the, you get a freedom. Get to the White House lawn fast. Oh, you can't. You're in jail. Oh no. So the White House is sh- is um, shortening sentences for people um, serving unduly harsh sentences under outdated laws for committing largely non-violent drug crimes. Well, at least it's that. It's not the purge or anything. So great, <laughs> Grateful Dead fan who also kind of sold acid as I think most of them probably did <laughs> back in the day was that not like their, their main kind of their main kind of gig like they wouldn't certainly, put it on their census form yeah, yeah, probably. if not selling then certainly trying some of it um, 
So this guy, Timothy Tyler, uh, a Grateful Dead fan, massive fan, listened to him in prison. Uh, he'd been given a life sentence in 1994 after selling LSD to a police informant. You really have to say, that police informant... You're doing that at a Grateful Dead gig. You're not even trying. Like, yeah. like that is like that's a questionable. That's an easy night. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a questionable character. Like you're hitting those numbers though for sure. Fish in a barrel. Yeah, yeah it was his third drug-related arrest, so, so that carries a mandatory minimum sentence. Life, life um, in prison. So now Obama has com- commutation. Or was commutation means Tyler's sentence ends August 30th, 2018 now, which is um, a lot. A we'll lot get him on sooner. the podcast, I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, the deadhead is getting out, which is fair play to him. But yeah, I never really got that whole Grateful Dead thing. Never. The music does nothing for me. They apparently played, they're like this band Fish. Fish, I think, are still going. They are they're still, still going. They just play yeah, f- yeah. for like four hours. Everyone gets <laughs> totally out of it. And it's a cult. It's yeah, cult. it's a very strange thing. It's um, good that you didn't get that you don't get Grateful Dead. If you got Grateful Dead, do you think I'd have you on this podcast? <laughs> I think I'd be your friend. News talk probably wouldn't not. have it. Probably not. No. Yeah, imagine like Craig's into your news talk. Uh, anything else? This went really well. I pretty, pretty think you might See have the dead. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would call myself a dead head. <laughs> Big into the bootlegs. That's the other thing, isn't it? They just got insane kind of. See, like okay, all the talk about Grateful Dead. No, all the, oh, sorry, guys. All the talk about Grateful Dead is just like I've got this horrible music swirling in my brain right now. All so right. I think we need to freshen that up. We do. Let's listen to some new music. What's first up, Craig? Pick a number. Um, number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's that inspired Route One thinking we like. It's, okay, it's Bonnie Vare, and he sounds like this. Staying at the Ace Hotel, call her loud. I would just be floating to you now. It would make it pass to let it pass on. Okay, that's uh, the helpfully titled 33 quotation marks God mm. off the four. one of the more straightforward titles. That's a much album. easier yeah. one to swallow. We have featured a song of his quite recently. He's back. Uh, the album's coming pretty soon. This is the third track that we've heard. I didn't want to hear this because I was kind of like. We've heard two tracks. I want to wait for the album. I'd rather there be a bit of mystery. Craig strong-armed me into putting it on the podcast as our lead track this I week. Think it's a very good song. And He's, I'm getting properly excited for this You record. are right. Yeah. It's very good. And tell us why it's very good. Well, we've talked about his experimentation and where he's, he's really going to new places while still retaining kind of a lot of immediacy and he's he's not, you know, he's not freaking people out, I don't think. Um, but just, yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's been hanging out with Laurie Anderson or something. Like, there's kind of quite interesting kind of sonic stuff going on. Um, kind of like a robotic duet. The 33 apparently refers to Sam 33. Apparently there's going to be a lot of religious kind of themes throughout this record. So it's a song about Jesus, essentially. He was 33 when he died, right? That was, that, yeah. that was the thing. Um, apparently the album comes out 33 days after the song came out. So there's a lot going on, man. There's a lot of symbolic stuff. And he's getting more kind of, I don't know, indecipherable, but more interesting, I think. Uh, I just really like it. Yeah, this continues a rich vein of form, and it it does feel like a natural succession to like Beth Rest, which is the really kind of trippy, strange kind of almost opening theme tune of an eighties cop movie uh, <laughs> yeah. that closed his last record. And I, I, it's weird; I, I I can't believe that that record is five years old. 
No, time flies. Yeah. Um, I remember working in Hot Press. I just started in the office, and I remember like you know being around. You the went corner. to go and see him, didn't you? And you were very excited. And I saw him in the now, Grand, it was Grand Canal yeah, Theatre. Now the board gosh, yeah. uh, one of the best gigs I've ever seen. He had an eight piece band, two drummers. It was exceptional. Um, but I remember when I first started in the office, like uh, I was kind of around the corner in the back room. The art department were around. I listened to whatever they would play, and that album had just come out. Mm. Uh, I remember Dave Keane, the art director at the time, or one of the. Or, or, graphic designers he uh he did the illustration for that issue that i think i started on of justin vernon and it's a wonderful piece of work and i just remember like i'd hear that record all the time so i kind of like you know you associate records with where you were and like but i remember just like i remember the first time they were listening to it and beth rest came on and i remember like the lads being like the fuck is this <laughs> they're like is this the same album like it took a while to cling to it didn't it well, dave kane's a massive whole notes fan so he should have been digging it straight away <laughs> i mean that was right in his era <laughs> I think we all learned to love it. Um, I'm loving this, and what like like Craig, I'm I think this album could be very very special, George. Yeah, um, I quite like the song. It's a bit brighter, it's a bit clearer, but it's also a bit more synthetic than uh, the self-titled album. But um, I think he's just absorbed a lot of the work he's been doing away from Bon Iver over the last five years. So yeah, he did a lot of collaborations with uh, James Blake, Kanye West, uh, the Volcano Choir album that was pretty good as well, and. Um, it feels recognisably Bon Iver, well, not as closed off and not as delicate. And you say indecipherable, I, I think it's more decipherable, at least as far as I can understand the lyrics. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, that is a help, actually. I, There's more of a narrative to this, I, I suppose. I prefer a bit more analogue, but uh, we'll see. I'm really looking forward to the album. Five years is a really long time. You think about, like, Lisa Hannigan was away for five years. This guy retired and came back. Frank Ocean, four years, but, four, you know, yeah, obviously like, the narrative around that was that it was just taking forever, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm really looking forward to it. He's um, gone about it the right way, I feel. I mean, like, like, like there's enough... He's He's been around. Like, yeah. He hasn't completely yeah, vanished the background. He's been, he's been very active. But there's and, also enough mystery here. And as like, George, what are we getting with this yeah, album? You know? As George says, I mean, he's definitely kind of taking things from other artists he's worked with. I certainly think this year, I mean, from the sounds of where he's going... I tie this with the work, new work kind of from Frank Ocean and from James Blake. I think they're really kind of a trio that are doing interesting stuff that has certain overlaps and references to each other almost. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it feels weirdly serendipitous that like the class of 2011-12 is coming back in such a big way and I'm very glad for it, you know. Graduating <laughs> handsomely. And, yes. Uh, speaking of handsome, speaking of <laughs> moody and mysterious singers... Uh, Devendra Banhart might not be a name that we featured in the podcast before, but here he is, and it's Saturday night. The voice comes disembodied, nothing there, but you can hear it. You know how to numb the wound, but you don't know how to heal it. Try waiting for hours, days and years. You keep waiting, but no one's ever gonna show up. He's Okay, so the drums at the start of this song is basically the exact same as In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Yeah, they're certainly treated that way. I mean, it's an effect everyone's been going for for years, isn't it? But no, but this is very, like, it's practically the same uh, syncopation. It's got that, you know, it just sounds like he basically took that audio clip and maybe slowed it down a little bit more. Yeah, possibly. A lot just, of people, uh, you know, like, that film Sing Street, I haven't seen. Everyone's raving about it. I haven't seen it because I thought that Once was an absolute piece of shit. And <laughs> one of, uh, just a hateful, hateful work. Um... As regards to Sing Street, everyone says it's amazing, and I'm kind of like, maybe I will cave and I will watch it, but then I hear that there's a line of dialogue in it when someone says, uh, uh, no woman could ever truly love a man who loves Phil Collins. 
And I'm sorry, but like, are we serious? We live in a more progressive time. Phil Collins has got some bangers, I mean, a more Peter Gabriel man, to be honest. In the air tonight. How do we feel about in the air tonight? Yeah, sure. I love that drone gorilla. Yeah. That's a great ad. Don't you forget it. But Devendra. Yes, Sounding handsome. Interesting figure. He is. I quite like him. And I think, I don't know, he gets more interesting for me. He's certainly doing different stuff. Not everyone loves him, though. Well, see, this is the thing. Not everyone does love him. Um, We've talked about Blood Orange, Dev Hines, on the podcast before. Uh, these two used to be friends, apparently. They worked on a project together, and it seems yeah. like mm. th- something must have gone wrong. Because uh, last week, Dev Hines tweeted out and said, The music of Devendra Banhart is so insufferable, I feel sorry for the entirety of Los Angeles. You deserve better. Before subsequently <laughs> deleting the tweet, uh, someone pushed him on it and said, What's the point of you being so insufferably rude? Uh, Deb Hines responded by saying happiness <laughs> and added this is a great comeback <laughs> yeah you should all know by now that I don't attack people for no reason yeah so maybe it's some per- well it must be a personal beef um, perhaps you, you can't take aim at this song really and say it's you know insufferable can you I don't think I, no, I no, quite no. like it it's very pleasant, yeah. Very pleasant. yeah you I might say it's it's window dressing I like I, his voice I just think he's got a you know he's clearly become a hippie just so he can have sex with people but <laughs> I think he's an interesting dude just travels the world just kind of being enrapturing and yeah. yeah, kind of urchin-like, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think it's a pretty quirky, pretty sexy song. Um, I've heard a bit of Dirty Projectors or a bit of Ariel Pink in there. Like That's the kind of vibe I was getting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, I could curl up in this song. I think it's just lovely. Right. Nice. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it, it's great. And it's also one of the things where it's like, oh, you know, even's getting a little bit darker. Noise <laughs> <laughs> closing in. Get the fire on. <laughs> Do you know what I think happened with uh, Dev Hines? I'm going to speculate. Dev Hines and Devendra. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. I Go reckon on. there might have been a girl involved. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I say that is because a few years ago uh, for Hot Press, the aforementioned Hot Press magazine, uh, I... Now, it, I'm just thinking, I could be completely wrong, but Dev Hines is gay, isn't he? I don't know what Maybe you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, go on, go on. I, lo- I love the story. My link. I it's certainly fluid. I'm not it, sure. It was for the sake of a link. Go on. If Cullen was here, this never Forget would've... the links. Let's just go. I spoke to Chris Kane of We Are Scientists a few years back, and uh, it was a template questionnaire thing for Hot Press called The Quickie that they no longer do, which would always yield a very good interview, despite the fact that the questions on paper look quite basic. The acts you would talk to would actually generally respond quite well to it. One of the questions was sexiest rock star and Chris Kane of We Are Scientists said and I quote from what I hear Devendra Banhart may well be the sexiest man in rock my friend who shall remain remain anonymous and is a very good looking musician and therefore a generally sort of desirable type was at a bar and was very close to leaving with a young lady when Devendra Banhart arrived and sauntered up and engaged them in conversation I think he intimated that he knew my friend slightly and that's how he smoothly slipped into the conversation 15 minutes later, he leaves with the girl that my friend had been talking to. My friend said that Devendra had an undeniable and overpowering charisma to him and couldn't blame anyone but himself. So watch out for Devendra Banhart. Wow, turning hearts and minds. I love that story. I love that story. He was a really good guy. And I totally buy it as well. He just seems like that kind of dude. I would totally buy it. If this was Dev Hines, like, Lightspeed Champion era, like, that girl, that guy is losing out to Avenger Banhart <laughs> every knows? day. Who knows? Maybe well, we hope that they can get. That didn't like. We hope that they can get it together. You're a rascal. Nope. All right. Another song. This time, Vince Staples. Vincent Staples. Yes. Uh, prima Donna. Is he a prima donna? This song is. Yeah, 
obviously what I meant there, guys, was that Prima Donna is the name of the track. Yeah. I don't think Finn Staples is a Prima Donna. I think he's a... ASAP Rocky might be, and he's on this. Yeah, but he's so pretty. He's a very... Yeah, yeah he's this a is the guy. Hand, he's another guy. This is like the sexiest songs the week we've ever had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. ASAP Rocky's a beautiful I can't remember movie. who I was talking to, but it was another musician, um, Star Slinger, I believe, and he said that when he was talking... He was hanging out with ASAP Rocky, who was great with the ladies... Especially the young ladies, legal. But <laughs> when his mother was there, also he was brilliant at turning on like mam mode and just turning into like a really nice, non sleazy guy and being like all manners. Oh, so he's got everything covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as for this song, <laughs> <laughs> Vince Staples is is sexy enough in his own right. He is. He's got a new EP out. This title track, uh, twenty minutes of really good stuff. I think. I mean, following up a kind of smashing debut, um, and it's it's just kind of great news for the West Coast. Uh, at the moment in terms of rap and hip-hop i mean this is just so kind of genre shifting there's a lot going on i think this might be the best cut off it um what you guys think yeah especially great news for the west coast after devendra banhart completely embarrassed la (laughs) yeah exactly um, yeah i really like i really like this um the first time i wasn't too inspired by it i thought it was just kind of a by numbers post-fame kind of rap but it's really creative like there's one line that stuck to me in particular uh, buy a million dollar home blow my dome to paint the kitchen bitches like is that Venetian? <laughs> and pretty uninspiring beat as well I will say but um, yeah the guy's on form I mean what can you say um, he's kind of halfway between his gang life and his normal life kind of still living in the same neighbourhood he grew up in and getting away from it it just seems like He's kind of in a transitional phase from the sounds of this song, and I'm looking forward to hearing what he does next on, yeah. a, on a long form album. Anyway, yeah, I mean, like, if this is scraps, and I guess it kind of is, they're still very interesting, very very trippy. Actually, I found this to be quite a quite a bit of a head fuck if you kind of like resettle into it. Mark Conroy reviewed it for Headstuff Music, gave a seven and a half out of ten, and essentially coming to the same conclusion that I would in that like it's a nice kind of you know, in between, I guess. I mean, Summertime 06 is a double album. We're not exactly starved of material here. Mm. I was quite surprised to see that he had new work in the offing. He did a track with Flume this year, which sure. was very good. He's uh, on the School by Q album as well. Smoke and Retribution. Mm. Uh, he's got an incredibly interesting and arresting voice, and he has the intelligence to take that voice places that I want to hear. Uh, he also uh, is a man who uh, thinks about his, his mother because he tweeted <laughs> yeah. out saying that uh, he hopes this EP does very well because his mother wants a Jeep. No, so, that's great. So there yeah, you good. go. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I think Vince Staples is a very interesting guy. Yeah, uh, he seems he, to be straddling a few different worlds. As he's George also like twenty-one, twenty-three. Um, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. young, and he so wears that youth. I mean, he seems very—he's very charismatic. He's very funny, but he's also very youthful in his references, and he seems very different to what we're used to seeing from a West Coast rapper. Like he also mentions waves in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And his meltdown at the Primavera Festival, I mean, just has a whole bunch of different references that I'm not used to seeing. He also um, reworks an Andre 3000 sample in one of his things, arguably better than the way Frank used Andre 3000 officially Yeah, Yeah, and kind of a brave move to be opening a record with Andre 3000. I mean, you know, it's kind of an iconic That's kind of how Mark uh, summed up his review. He basically said Vince Staples doesn't give a fuck. And like, that's great. And also, Kanye anointed Chance the Rapper, as of course he would during that VM May speech mm. based on coloring book and based on what Finn Staples is doing granted they're very much two sides of the same coin chance appears to be zen and absolutely loving all the positive aspects of life right now Vince has clearly got a lot of anger that he's working out I, I, I think still... he wears it lightly though Vince yeah yeah definitely lighter on this EP than he did on on some of the darker parts of Summertime 06 for sure but I kind of feel like he's got the more interesting voice yeah he's pretty irreverent he's very funny I mean, more insightful look, voice I should say looking at that Olympics video he did the, oh yeah that was yeah. funny yeah, the yeah. first time I heard him was on a podcast talking about basketball and he's just trashing everyone and you know 
the guy, I mean, he's obviously got a lot of anger to work out. He works out on his albums, but um, I just, just, I can't get over his humor. He's just hilarious. He's good. Well, uh, another another kind of act that are actually quite funny, uh, especially if you follow them on social media, are Health. They are. I've always described them as noise terrorists because that's what's <laughs> the fucking line of the podcast. <laughs> in my in my dealing, I've always described well, them always as noise described, terrorists. Uh, Los Angeles uh, electro crew Health as noise terrorists. About a Meinhof complex with guitar. Yeah, I'll go with that. Have a listen to the new track Crusher and see if you agree with my description. you agree with my description yeah i think so um we're not long after their last record either no um, last year death magic yeah i think this is for uh, adult swims kind of single series um i really enjoyed it to be honest i thought it was great it has that you know obviously industrial bludgeoning thing but there's a grace about it they seem very i don't know much about them but they seem quite deliberate in everything they do there's a kind of i don't know a structure a kind of strange structure that just grabs you and draws you in no matter how kind of punishing it is um yeah i thought it was a great track I was expecting it to be, be a bit more uh, heavy, a bit more propulsive, a bit more industrial than you said it was. Um, to me, it sounds a bit like a more intense purity ring. Did you hear that on it? Yeah, maybe? yeah. I know where you're coming from. Um, is that vocally? I mean, Jupiter Keys has definitely tapped into this kind of strain. I mean, if you could criticize Death Magic, it would be it would be that it's very samey uh, mm-hmm. in terms of what he's saying, what he's doing, and how he says it. And um, it this also like kind of like with the Vince Staples thing does sound like not throwaway so much, but you know this will do for now. It's not really you know our strongest effort by any stretch of the imagination. But I love hearing from these guys. I was speaking more about I guess melodically combined with the kind of programmed drums and all that. Um, sure, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, like I know, I know kind of. I don't know much about them, but having read a few reviews of the last record, it seemed to be like okay, maybe not their best stuff. Could sound amazing live. I'd love to see them live off the back of this. Um, very good live. Yeah. Great live, yeah. And they supported Interpol last year, and they're fantastic. Um, a lot of yeah. fans kind of turned against them uh, with Death Matter. They thought it was them, quote unquote, selling out, and because they had like a, they had some more recognizable choruses here and there. I disagree. I thought record. I thought that record was very underrated, and I thought New Coke was one of the best songs of last year. It didn't make it into the heads of top twenty-five, and I'm still annoyed about that. But what can you do? Uh, to close us out song-wise this week, because Cullum isn't here, we're going to you know play five songs instead of four. It's a uh, late edition. It's late edition because it came out today. He's going to be so mad. And I kind of yeah. feel like we should look at it. This is Nick Cave. You believe in God, but you get no special dispensation for this belief now. Sitting by a fire, hear the mist rolling off the sea. You're a distant memory in the mind of your creator, don't you see? So yeah, that's Jesus Alone by Nick Cave. Um, coming in the wake of personal tragedy, a lot of people are going to be projecting onto this one. What do we think, guys? Um, you know, it follows on quite a good bit from the last record in terms of 
you know, it's kind of this floating thing, this very atmospheric undercurrent. I'm sure Warren Ellis had a, a lot to kind of do with this. But melodically, I mean, you know, there's not much to grab onto. It's just kind of very lyrically dense. Um, sounds kind of quite harrowing, but beautiful. Oh, we, all those kind of religious overtones as well. And yeah, of course, people are going to be, you know, reading a lot into this entire record. And they've got a documentary coming out to accompany this record. One more time with Feeling, where I think, you know, he's quite open to what's, what's kind of gone on. Um, yeah, for anyone who doesn't his, know, yeah. uh, he lost his son last year. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. It was only last November. I think yeah. so. It's still, yeah, not too long ago. Um, kind of tragic accident. Um, he fell to his death. Um, so yeah, and I'm sure that couldn't help but play into the music. But uh, hopefully, it kind of won't overshadow it or people, you know. Yeah, it was uh, kind of formless. Sounded more like a kind of a radio transmission. Um, yeah. A bit mad libsy, I must say. When I was watching it, this is a late addition to the pod, so I was watching it on the door and. Uh, I was kind of distracted by whatever Warren Ellis was doing with his hand in the video, so I okay. kind of missed the context of his sundown. But um, it seemed just kind of didn't really have a, a flow to it. It was just kind of these kind of morbid phrases being repeated. Um, I'll have to give it another listen, but it's yeah, highly it was pretty it, diverting and hypnotic. At the yeah, same it's highly level. discordant for sure. I think the kind of overall motif that runs through it is meant to unsettle you and. It's it's a kick to the chest for a lot of different reasons. Uh, I think Nick Cave and Warren Ellis are two of the more compelling musicians out there. Uh, and they do seem to be tinged, as Craig says, with this kind of, all these overtones and undertones. There's just so much going on in the music. I've said before, and I'll say it again, they have a track called Song for Bob, which closes out the assassination of Jesse James by the carrot Robert Ford. I think it's one of the finest pieces of music I've ever heard in my entire life. And I, I just it's so evocative. They just have this ability to really really get inside a listener's heart and obviously on this record I think it's going to be devastating for a number of obvious reasons and we wait to see uh, how the whole thing will, will, will kind of shape up but in terms of how another record has shaped up and is now with us James Vincent McMorrow has his third album it's just come out it's called We Move this is Rising Water So that was the lead track from We Move. It's the third record from James Vince McMorrow, a very highly rated, highly regarded singer-songwriter. Craig, you have interviewed him before in a pretty fun environment. I was there, very much enjoyed it. Yeah, it was on a couch, um, was at a festival, and he's a funny dude. I mean, he's, you know, every time I've talked to him, I've kind of enjoyed his company, um, kind of similar interests. We don't hang out apart from the, you know, professionally because he doesn't like me, but I still enjoy his company <laughs> very much, and I was glad to hear from him again. Musically, he hasn't called. Well, he has written. Uh, he wrote an open letter yeah. to announce this record and, you know, kind of very personal. And obviously, you know, the idea of a personal record tends to follow almost every record ever. Everyone's also, this is my most personal. But you see quite heartfelt in what he wrote. Uh, he wrote, I've started writing this letter about eight times now. I haven't gotten past halfway yet because I do want to explain the record that I've made to anyone who's reading this. But more than wanting to explain it, I really, really don't want to explain it at all. Does that make sense? Probably not. In the past, I would have gone into crazy detail about each and every aspect of it, but everything about this record is different, so I need to do everything different. 
The only thing I want to say right now is this. I'm not the most confident person. It's something I've struggled with all my life. All of my musical heroes put themselves out there in records in such a candid black and white way, which just felt like something that was a world away from me. Every time I've made an album before this one, I've worked so hard to shroud the thing in metaphor and imagery until I'm so blurred in the picture that even I can barely see myself in it. And I'm eternally proud of those records, but I always wish I'd been strong enough to put myself out there on the line. I was taking safe roads because honestly I was terrified. In every part of this album I see myself, I hear it in every lyric and every note and it's still terrifying, but it's exactly what I needed to make because I can't be the person I want to be or the musician I want to be unless I pursue what I hear without hesitation. And yeah, a great sentiment. And, you know, if it's obviously coming from a heartfelt place, you know, quite brave. I know people say brave quite a lot. But um, on the record, I'm not so sure I heard that, um, strangely enough. Um, lyrically, there's certainly some stuff going on there. Uh, I know one track in particular, I Lie Awake Every Night, kind of deals with um, an eating disorder he's had since he was a child. Um, there's a lot of talk about his kind of social anxiety and unease. Um but I don't know, in terms of his, you know, that f- falsetto we know, and the fact that a lot of these songs sound like kind of almost crooning, straight, smouldering love songs, I, I, I don't know, something about that feeling didn't get through to me. Um, yeah, it's kind of, um, I mean, straightforward, as you say, but it's also quite eclectic musically, sometimes it verges on... Um, Stadium Yacht Rock, I've written down here. But the eclecticism <laughs> yeah, sometimes, one. I think, betrays uh, his sincerity, kind of does that thing he says there about hiding behind kind of the music. Mm. What I do like about him is that he isn't parochial in how he makes music. He he doesn't just take the standard kind of influences and tones that musicians from this aisle, guitar, guitar playing musicians from this aisle use. You know, he does go out there. I mean, look at the list of collaborators on this album the one that sticks out to me is Two Inch Punch um, but yeah he's taken influences from lots of different directions lots of different places uh, a lot of modern kind of hip hop percussion on the record as well um, I've, I haven't really unpacked it as much uh, uh, but um, it's a good album I will say that <laughs> and that's been our show <laughs> Dave talk to me see you next week guys um yeah, I'm with, I'm with you, Craig. And I was kind of surprised in that sense and definitely a little bit let down. I think you read a statement like that, which comes across as incredibly, you know, it, like, in, as you say, brave and or heartfelt. And you're kind of like, yeah, OK, cool. Awesome. And then you get a record which you've kind of heard before. And maybe he's even done it better. And Yeah, I mean, maybe I on post-tropical. I found this album very hard to get into. Uh, I'm still finding it hard to get into. I will say that I've come around a little bit more on it than I was, but I found it very, very kind of impenetrable for quite a while. And I think maybe because was I looking for those kind of personal aspects a bit more? It sounds very kind of like treated and very overly structured and it's extremely tastefully done i mean it has for sure as you say that stadium Mm. yacht rock thing are we nearly reaching a point where that has been quite done at this stage i think so and especially for him i mean like like, and i kept i kept waiting for something to happen Mm. i kept waiting for a cavalier never happened i kept waiting for even like a higher love his cover you know which everyone you know kind of steve winwood calling card for a while even, uh, I think I've said it on the podcast before, but he uh, did a song with a, b- a band called No Ceremony a few years ago called Away From Here. And it's not the most adventurous song in the world, but his vocal is fucking beautiful and it really elevates the song. With this, 
I mean, we reviewed we reviewed Rising Water before, and we were like, "Yeah, it's good." We we're like, "This yeah. is definitely very good." It has almost a Future Islands kind of thing, that propulsive yeah, base, totally, kind of yeah. almost New Ordery base. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a departure, but and it's I certainly immediate. But the I, rest, I didn't expect to be coming away from the album review and saying that that was the best track. I think that's a good start. I think I Lie Awake Every Night is excellent. But then it just gets a bit kind of by numbers. And like that song, Last Story, its chorus in particular, I was very much like, this is so choreographed or something. There was just something there where I was like, this feels like, and now he's going to do the bit where he does the bit and it all gets a bit bigger. And, yeah. oh. and by the next track, you're kind of thinking, well, this will be perfect in some, you know, advert. Oh, you God, know what I mean? so cinematic. So you can't really yeah. say he doesn't have songwriting chops, which he clearly does. His voice is very good. Sometimes I think maybe the voice, I don't know, I know he'd hate this comparison, but the Justin Vernon thing, I can't get away from it. There's something that is just so strongly connected to him that, I don't know. That maybe. was the biggest connection I think people made between him yeah, uh, on post tropical especially, and he's—I suppose he's kind of gotten away from that. Yeah, on this I, one, I even just mean vocally. I mean, it's nothing he can do about it. It's just one of those coincidences. I mean, it's his—it's his biggest strength, though. The voice is simply incredible. Like I, like I don't really listen to post tropical much. Three years later, but I will listen to Cavalier just to hear that voice. Again. It's a magnificent song. Uh, his voice is excellent. Uh, it's his signature. Where do you go with that? It's almost like a band like Explosions in the Sky or, or Mogwai. You're like, you. Your lines are very clearly defined. It's hard to paint outside of those lines. I expected more. I, I this album to me, as you say, Craig, tastefully done. I mean, like that. You know, that shouldn't sound. It didn't from you, but like it shouldn't sound from any of us that we're giving a backhanded compliment or even being patronising. It's just very much like this is really austere, and it's it's elegant. And James Smith and more fans are going to love it. Yeah, yeah, because they're getting. Uh, they're getting a, a good meal here, you know. Like they're getting like ten tracks that are all beautifully produced and written. But I'm not hearing this kind of freedom of a character that I thought I would. Like, like you read that statement and you kind of feel, like, oh, cool, he's off the leash now. And you know, he said before that he's, you know, I, I hid behind so much and I blurred myself out so much. I, he's still doing it. Yeah, I yeah, think absolutely, so. absolutely. Like you read this statement and you think, oh wow, I'm looking forward to hearing James Vincent McMorrow, uh, completely explicit, completely himself, completely free of any kind of anxiety or I don't know what how you'd call it but any kind of inhibition and I just felt like it was more of the same I mean I still like post-tropical I like this album but didn't really go to this new direction that he's promised in this letter yeah I mean he always talked about wanting to write Neil Young songs produced by the Neptunes and I don't think he's quite there yet I mean that sounds a lot more inventive than what we're getting here which is a lovely thing but maybe not captivating over the course of this record for me as you say fans will enjoy it that seems like completely a completely oxymoronic kind of aspiration to have to me i mean on the one hand you got the neptunes a great some of the most synthetic and still beautiful things you've ever heard but then uh, neil young you know he'll sing some lacerating things and I don't know, he's just not there. That's also hugely ambitious, though, as well. I mean, like, and I feel like I agree, this record does not reflect those ambitions. And in terms of him working with people, he worked in 1985. And there's a quote here from an interview he did. Basically, it says, like, you know, the process of letting go really took shape on Rising Water. Apparently, when McMorrow brought it to him, uh, James McMorrow has said that he spent months putting it together, this really big, elaborate, interesting arrangement that he was so sure of. Uh, I'm living out my best dreams. I'm in the pocket, and I've got this really interesting song, and I feel so excited about it. And when 1995 heard it, he said, yeah, that's fucking awesome. We need to make that song. But the first thing he did in the studio was maybe use 10% of what uh, James had brought yeah. to him. 
And I think, and he's he's talked about how that was a good thing in the end that it's kind of stripped back like that. But I don't know. I kind of want to hear those arrangements. But <laughs> this mean, is a very busy arrangement. Like, you'd almost expect that you're coming out with a song here that's just like very stripped down and just. Well, there's a huge amount going on. Is there? I mean, you know, the, the synths are kind of, you know. I don't think quite it feels meaty, like every song but, on this record though is like almost overstuffed. Whether it's just like overproduced or something, like it just feels like everything here is. There's not really any room to kind of breathe. It's just kind of like there's always something happening, and they all kind of follow the same patterns really like there's not there's nothing on here that is particularly distinguishable from anything else and i mean like all of these songs are objectively good i mean like i do think the chorus of last story is very grating i don't like it um evil is quite e- decent evil's a good song yeah. it has it's a very nice uh, <laughs> very weird moment which i really dig go on that kind of solo breakdown at the end Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there's nice moments dotted throughout it, and yeah, it's like you know, get low is good, uh, and it's quite bitter. Um, you know, the last track, Lost Angles, is decent as well. I mean, like, I, I'm saying decent, and I hate saying that word because that because it, that almost makes it sound like I'm, I'm grading someone's homework here or something. But ultimately, uh, I ultimately you are. No, but <laughs> so I, I, I really thought we were going to get. I completely something get it because he's promising. He's here. promising something much more, something much more resonant. But some of the reviews, uh, I'm shaking my head. Like, fair enough, your hot press nine out of ten. You can tick that box. Uh, ten out of ten. The lax mix, like ten out of ten. Really, perfect album. Yeah. Uh, Ed Perry in the Irish Examiner, when describing Rising Water, uh, says, you know, it suggests Talking Heads trapped inside a Bonnie Vera ballad and in its own furrowbred way is on speaking terms with a genius. That's a I big think people word. are grading the references he's making in this record. I think like, they're grading the yeah, guy that's as a good well. Point. I, think when, I think James Nismar is very well respected and I think people want the best from him. This is by far not his best. But it's good. It is good. Yeah, but it's, you, ima- it's imaginative. It's postmodern. It's kind of mixing all these things together, and we don't really hear that off- that often. But the execution just isn't at the level. I found myself promises. being like, "Why am I not enjoying this more? Like, why? It's clearly very good." I can't tell you, Dave. I don't know. <laughs> tell stop, me, Craig. Stop looking but at you, me. But did you not feel like the same? We're not kind of like, "Why am I not clicking with this?" Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. he's promising authenticity, but it's still very practiced at the same time. And I think George said the word kind of practiced. La- yeah, sorry. Yeah. Practice, I think practice was the word yeah. I was searching for earlier on. It's it feels very arranged. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. You it's said the word lacerating. There was no moment where you just thought, oh, shit, that got me. Like, you know I mean, what I mean? It's you were complaining about that picture earlier, you know, the the big, the one that's on billboards everywhere. He's, he's there with his button done up and holding whatever that is, some kind of <laughs> instrument. And it just looks very <laughs> manicured, very kind of almost twee, not quite. But, you know, it's very put together. And that's not what he He needs to hang out is. with Devendra. I'm thinking. <laughs> no to steal a Devendra's girl. <laughs> uh, off mic, by the way, George. Just way, way to bury me. Um, but yeah, the promo photographs, even you're, you're kind of like, it's everything, everything just feels so rehearsed or something or just so kind of like perfect. So Sheen. If, Sheen yeah. is, the, is, is the dominant word for this record. And I mean, I feel like, yeah, if we're going to go with scores here... I mean, like, it feels like a 7 out of 10, but I don't know how much replay value it'll have for me. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Post Tropical didn't have that replay value for me. Or, I mean, good record. It's a 7. It's just a simple seven. You're going for seven? seven? Are you going for seven? I think so, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm going six. Seems like a natural landing place for it. It's a six for me. And I was a five at one point. So, well, um, well maybe. I'll ask you again next week. <laughs> it has, no, to be fair, I'll say that it has grown on me. And I think it's because maybe I was looking for too much. Maybe I was kind of like... When you it, always do, don't you? It's my job, buddy. Uh, you try holding this fort down. <laughs> <laughs> But no, uh, like I think the fact is, any time that we've kind of had a review like this, it's generally because we've been disappointed and because we have high expectations of the artist in question. Not for the first time this has happened. Uh, it's still a recommend from me. I mean, I feel like, you know, 
if you've never heard James Winston Moore before, it's like he's very enjoyable. He makes very pleasing music. Yeah. I simply yeah. wanted him to meet the courage of his convictions, at least from reading that letter, and I don't hear that on this. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. It'll be interesting to see where he goes because if he feels like he's done it this time, I don't know. Skiffle record? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Possibly into Still metal. waiting for that Skiffle comeback. Well, look, um, next time on No Encore, we will have Cole Morrigan back. He will be Stradbally refreshed and he will give us a full <laughs> rundown of Electric Picnic. And we may very well have a special guest who was also at the festival as well. I hope Craig will be here too. Yes, I will. I'm I'm always here these days. I'm I del- think we're now tied. Yeah, 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 you're promising yeah, yeah. too much yeah. already. <laughs> yeah, write write an open letter and, and, and give me your uh, yeah. give me your, your thoughts for that. How you can finally be let off the leash and no encore now. Can't wait. Okay, George. It was a pleasure to have you back. Oh, it was lovely being and here. We will have you back again. And we'll have you back again, listener, I hope. <laughs> uh, if you haven't, uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes, rate and review us. That kind of thing does drive us up the charts and helps us to depose the likes of Tiesto and Marty Whelan. And we'd really appreciate to be kind of, you know, ahead of the curve in that regard. To play us out this week, as we often end with an Irish band, a band called Assets, a four-piece electronic indie rock band from Dublin slash Galway, who self-released their day before track EP, A Like Us Out, last month. All proceeds from the sales of this EP go to the abortion rights campaign to repeal the Eighth Amendment. So a very important cause right there. Uh, my name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. This is Quiver. We'll see you next week. Now you're thrown into your head
HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details. It's going to be Jeffy, that's all. Oh, no, Jeffy. You merely adopted the darkness of the German capital and developed a debilitating smack habit, Mr. Wayne. It's a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central. Only on PBS. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, It starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game, and it's good for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.